welcome to Future Out Loud from the School for the Future of Innovation in Society at Arizona State University. I'm Heather Ross. Together with Andrew Maynard, we bring you conversations with experts on and off campus where we think out loud about our collective future. In today's episode, our own Future Out Loud cybersecurity team of Adam Dupay, Jamie Winterton, Andrew Maynard, and I, or and me, got back together to talk about the latest in cybersecurity news in the United States. And that, of course, was the revelation from WikiLeaks that the CIA has been collecting and potentially exploiting hacks and vulnerabilities in our household devices, our televisions, our microwaves to spy on us, really. So we talked about what is it that we should be thinking about these revelations and uh, how should we think about considering privacy moving forward and what are some of the things that maybe we can do to protect our privacy and what are the expectations that we have for government agencies and what should the role of government agencies be with regard to national security and corporations and on and on and on. Before we get started, as always, Thank you for listening to the Future Out Loud podcast. We love to know what you think. So you can tweet at us at Future Out Loud or leave us a note on our Facebook page, Future Out Loud. We also would love it if you would subscribe to the Future Out Loud podcast. You can do that on iTunes, on Stitcher, on SoundCloud, on Google Play, anywhere you find fine podcasts. And while you're busy setting up your subscription, please feel free to give us a rating if you like and leave a review if you are so moved. Finally, please tell your friends uh, that you listen to the Future Out Loud podcast. Let them know where to find us so that we can continue to make this conversation grow. Here we go. On with Adam Dupay, Jamie Winterton, Andrew Maynard talking about cybersecurity and thank you for listening. Hi guys. Hello. Hi Heather. Hi. The band is back together. Adam Dupay, Jamie Winterton, Andrew Maynard. And I think the thing that we need to talk about is what my microwave has learned about me in the past three weeks. As it's been spying on you. It has been spying on me. I thought I was warming up a mug of coffee, but... Well, you know, I always used to be worried about it frying my brains. Now I know that was the least of my worries. (laughs) (laughs) How do you know it hasn't done that? Uh, Well, Uh, we don't. We don't. Although, we will probably in the next few days because that information should be available on WikiLeaks any moment. Oh, right. Microwave date, right? Yeah. All right. So the big question is how should we be thinking about microwave gate um and you know how should we be thinking about this exposure of the cia's hacking techniques and practices so just unravel that little thing if you will how should we think is always kind of an interesting question i think it depends on who you are there's obviously a lot of thoughts out there The surprise to me was the fact that it was a surprise to anyone that the CIA was exploiting these wide open 
vulnerabilities. Mm-hmm. Um, as a spy agency, it would seem like a really obvious choice for them sure. to do. I think a more interesting question is why were those abilities built into these devices in the first place? Whether it's the TV that's always listening to you by default, mm-hmm. or whatever capabilities your microwave may or may not have. Um, thinking about those options and why we have like privacy is now an opt-in thing in our in our culture right. as so opposed default, to opt-out right 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 like you are you are by default opted into all of these technologies which share your information which collect your information which mm-hmm. may not ever be open and accessible to you mm-hmm. like third-party mm-hmm. web trackers why why is that why do we have that kind of culture yeah, yeah. so so how much of this was actually new? I mean, to you, both of you who actually work in this area, was there anything there that you read this and thought, I had no idea that that was going on? No. That is so reassuring. Right, right. It's more of like a, like, yeah, okay, that seems like part yeah. of the course, right? I mean, if you look right. at what they are, right, they're supposed to spy on foreign nationals and, like, this is what they mm-hmm. conduct yeah. intelligence, mm-hmm. right? I'd be disappointed That's if they weren't making use of something yeah, obvious like this. Yeah, it was slightly disappointing right. it's not like they're like, oh, man, they had some crazy unknown thing. It's like, yeah, they had about what we thought, and they had the tools that, yeah, mm-hmm. people could build these tools. They right. had... I think the best tweet that I saw was that the most surprising thing about the, C- the about the leak was that the CIA had an internal wiki that people actually kept up to date. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> really? Yes, because that's one of the most challenging things. And even our like labs wiki is yeah. incredibly right. out of date, right? right? But they actually right. had this up to date wiki, which impressive. people are impressed with. That is impressive. So, I mean, so but and I get and this is going to get back to mm-hmm. to your point, Jamie. But you look at the the, the Samsung TV. I remember uh, you probably remember this as well. A few years ago when on the, the internet people started pointing out that in the disclaimers for this it said that the, the TV is on listening to you all the time. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. one or two people were concerned about this but largely people just discounted it and couldn't be bothered. Now all of a sudden we're told the same thing again but in a slightly different context and people now seem to be worried about it. The thought that somebody might use Actually this ability. Actually use it, yes, mm-hmm. rather than this yeah. thing just listening to them and nobody using it. Yeah, that's the yes. thing I don't quite get is that the consequence that comes from that was not, wasn't obvious to people and, and maybe it shouldn't have been. I think we don't really have that conversation about the internet of things and yes. how that mm-hmm. really loops you in at a very personal level. It's not just about, oh, if this capability is there, it can deliver me content that I want, right. but it can also deliver the content that is you to anybody, if it's the CIA or if it's, I don't exactly. know, Adam on the weekend or yeah, whoever's getting I've in. heard uh, security people say that you actually shouldn't be worried too much about the camera on your laptop. Which I have covered. Which, we noticed which you have covered. Covered. Yes, yes. Well yes. Done. Which is, which is a good step. People should be worried about the microphone, right? Covering that right. doesn't lock oh, up the yeah. microphone. So, you know, yep. if people really want to get to know you... But they, isn't that bizarre in itself? Yeah. We're obsessed with cameras, but mm-hmm. audio is even more just powerful, if anything. Exactly. I blame the Kardashians. Powerful. Right, right. <laughs> a good default. And there's something, you know, that's something interesting here, right, is we've built all of this technology, right? We have, literally in my pocket, a device with not only a high-def camera, but also a microphone, mm-hmm. right? There exists that technology there. And there's nothing fundamental that prevents an adversary from getting onto my phone to turn on those devices and listen to me without my knowledge. Right. That's right. Right. And fundamentally, even like the um, your laptop camera, I've seen talks where people say, hey, this is how if you get uh, code execution onto your machine, this is how you can turn the camera on without that green light coming on. Right. Yep. Right. Yep. Because it's not a hardware-based thing, it's a software-based thing. 
and so they can change it and alter it, and now you're being observed not without your knowledge at all. Right. I saw that Black Mirror episode. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Did you was see it? That no, one? I haven't. I oh, it's good. They're all good. Yeah, you just spoiled it for me. Just kidding. <laughs> I think the outrage was because it was the CIA. If the, yeah, if the yeah. story had broken and it turned out that it was some unaffiliated group mm-hmm, or mm-hmm. some company that was collecting this data. Or if it was the Mossad, I would be like, obviously, Mossad, yes, <laughs> you do these things. Like, this is what people pay you for. Mm-hmm. I get it. But yeah, that it was that the CIA. What we pay the CIA for? It is actually exactly what we pay the CIA for. Yeah. But, but, but isn't there this really sort of uncomfortable relationship between the CIA, CIA and, and the rest of American society where mm-hmm. we sort of, mm-hmm. we feel that this is necessary, but we don't really like the fact that we have spies. Well, I think we like, we as Americans like the fact that we have spies, but we've drawn this line where we say that the CIA is for everything outside of U.S. borders, right? And the FBI should be the investigative agency for things happening inside the okay, United so, so States. I, and legally, that's, that's the demarcation. Yes. So, so we're okay for dubious stuff to happen in other countries, but yep. not in our own backyard. Exactly. I think that, there would have been much more of an uproar if there was evidence that they were using these exploits against U.S. citizens Absolutely. in the mm-hmm. U.S. I think there would have been yes. a much more of an, an outcry. Yes. Uh, but as is, that's kind of, you know, that's their job. They're doing what they are supposed to be doing, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. right? Right. Well, and is that distinction, the U.S. non-U.S., is that distinction maybe I less think, useful in the 21st century? Because I think here's the problem, right? Exactly. Mm-hmm. It's, I think it's the technology is American-developed, right? A lot of these technologies, the iPhones, mm-hmm. the Android operating system, right? These are the things that they're finding vulnerabilities in. So you have this weird dynamic where they're mm. finding and, and or buying bugs and exploits for these American-made devices, and they're not really making us as Americans any safer because they're not passing that knowledge back on to the manufacturers to try mm-hmm. to get it fixed because right. then they lose this capability that they can't go and try to monitor somebody else's device. Right. So yeah, there's a really weird kind of complex tension here between the manufacturers and the fact that the CIA is exploiting that, but the manufacturers are also American, so. Some of them. Some. Yeah, yes. not all of them. But so that was, if I'm not mistaken, that was part of what WikiLeaks said it was going to do was to get all of that technology knowledge back to the manufacturers. And they, is that, they said that Jamie, you're shaking your done head. It. I don't know. I'm, I'm not sure the mechanism by, by which they would do that. I, are they are they just going to deliver the documents from the CIA? What they really said is they I think they said, and I'm not looking at this, so it may mm-hmm. not be a perfect quote, uh, that they were going to help to patch these vulnerabilities. Oh. And I'm not sure that's a reasonable expectation of of WikiLeaks or what they're for or what right. they can mm-hmm. do. Um, so that raises another question about. WikiLeaks um, and that I think it's worth exploring and that is where does their authority come from so even if they were going <laughs> to work with manufacturers to plug leaks presumably they've got to decide which ones they focus on what order they focus on them in so they then have a lot of power in deciding what's done and what is mm-hmm. not done where does that authority come from 
Because they have the information. Information is power. Knowledge is power. Right. Yeah. right. Yeah. There's yeah. a group of people that believe that information should be free, right? But like demand, like information should be right. But 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 timelines are really important here. So if you have the information and you decide when to release it. That is not just about making information free, it's about leveraging information for other ends. Exactly, and I think yes. it reminds me a lot of learning in school. I don't remember what grade we did this in, but and I hope they still do it now, where you read multiple news articles, right? So you can mm -hmm. see that the spin people can put, just by word choices, right? Yes. Even reporting the same events and the basic facts are the same. Yeah, there's this huge level of editorial discretion and control, right? What do you choose to release or not release? That's right, yes. So that's a thing that, I am afraid may have fallen by the wayside in public education um, recently. And the reason I think it may have fallen by the wayside is because there are cases where you hear about teachers doing that and it tends to be around that seventh, eighth grade point. And then like it's a news story when teachers are doing it and teaching that critical evaluation and critical so appraisal. Yes. Yeah, yeah. So great I'm delighted that teachers are doing that some teachers are doing that and I'm I, I feel terribly that that should be a news story that that shouldn't just be like but, what but I think teach. as well so we are pre-programmed to go for the sensational news I mean mm -hmm. it's like waving a, a, a sausage in front of a dog Mm -hmm. I mean, if the dog could think, I, the, the sausage sees the dog sees a sausage and it thinks, "I've got to eat that sausage." Right now, you imagine intellectually, you could sort of reason with that dog and say, "This is not the best thing for you to have," and the dog mm -hmm. intellectually could understand that. But still, its instinct is, "I've got to eat that sausage." Yeah, and mm -hmm. it's the same with people. They can intellectually say, "Oh yeah, we've got to sort of balance these new stories," right. but emotionally, they go for the sensational. It's almost Every impossible time. to resist that sometimes. Yeah, I think WikiLeaks has done a good branding job. They have. Because they, you know, when you think about them, you think about, oh, they just, they dump the data that they have. This is whistleblowers and mm -hmm. leakers give data to them, and then they put it out there, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so, yeah, they, you can project this aura of, you know, I've, I don't want editorial control. I just, I'm redacting things for safety purposes or whatever, right? But, that, that, you know. That's right. But what does and doesn't get redacted? And I what gets, yeah. what gets yeah. pushed out when? I really don't think that you. this is as transparent and apolitical yep. as yep. perhaps they would like to be. Is I, it even possible to do that in a value-neutral way? Probably not. I don't think so. I, if I, you're I, redacting or, or sifting, you have to make that, that choice. Is, and I think right. that they have been careless about some of those yes. things that so, they've chosen to promote. Yes, and I, I think that's it. So I don't think there's anything wrong with having that editorial control, but there's got to be transparency as to what's guiding that control. Um, otherwise, you have no idea what you're being fed and, and how to evaluate it. So that's really interesting, the idea of transparency in editorial process. When we think about mainstream media, the fake news, if you will, um, you mean is NPR, the, that, that bastion uh, of... Yeah, news. NPR, <laughs> yeah, BBC, whatever. Well, BBC maybe, but yes. <laughs> but um, do those types of news sources, so information aggregators and disseminators, ultimately that's what the media is, um, how transparent are they with regard to their editorial processes and decision-making? I don't know for sure, but I know I've saw I, I have seen around this 
CIA WikiLeaks thing, a lot of really terrible articles from pretty reputable sources. Mm -hmm. Then they tend to lean the same way as right. as you were yeah. indicating <laughs> towards mm -hmm. the sensational and towards uh, towards you know they are spying on mm -hmm. you and can take control of your television. Mm -hmm. There was one particular exploit that was really misinformed. You know, you would have to go in and actually plug a USB into the physical device, but that detail was missing mm -hmm. because of the sensationalism. Oh, we do this far too often in cybersecurity. We get everybody spun up and freaked out, and it's impossible for them at that point to make good choices. Right. Well, but if we go back to you know what uh, Andrew was saying about the TVs having this now this always listening capability, you know, X years ago, mm -hmm. nobody paid attention. Right. right. So right. maybe mm -hmm. you know if I was playing devil's advocate there, I would say, wow, but you know. Maybe we should get people interested, and if we have to do a little showmanship and have <laughs> people a little that scared, then you know maybe that's actually the argument yeah. that the people make. Sometimes you need to go over the top in order to, to get people engaged. But you don't want sure. to avoid crying a technical wolf, right? That, and yeah, that's I mean sometimes you have to drive yes. a jeep off the road exactly. remotely, right, to go back to our <laughs> right. prior conversation. Yeah. Right. <laughs> uh, but I think there's there's a way to show things. I, I don't know. I, I talk to a lot of people, and they say. I, I just, everything seems scary, so I kind of shut down. What does right. it matter? Mm -hmm. yes. So I'm just not. You get scare overload. Mm -hmm. yeah. I think some of the things you can, maybe, that we can try to learn from this, from the, the bugs that were there, is a lot of them actually had already been fixed mm -hmm. in software updates. So a lot right. of them were for older versions of phones. So I think that's a good educational moment that we can say, hey, look, if you're keeping your device up to date, you are reasonably protected from a lot of things, right? Mm -hmm. And that's something that you can do and you control. Um, so I think that's yeah related and also important. Yeah, I'm not saying we should scare people. Yeah. <laughs> no, <laughs> yeah. I know. We, we, we line um, up pretty well. And, and of course, we, we don't know where this goes. So I mean, I, part of the, the scare issue is it's easy to scare people with half-baked information, mm -hmm. but mm -hmm. we actually don't know how this is really impacting yes. people's lives. And we're speculating, mm -hmm. we're filling the vacuum there. And, and that's where you end up with scare stories which maybe don't align with reality. But it does mean that the bigger debate seems to be um, where are the appropriate sort of where are the appropriate boundaries? Mm -hmm. So I think you can quite legitimately argue that CIA has been doing what they're supposed to do, mm -hmm. finding vulnerabilities that they can use to follow their mission and protect mm -hmm. Americans. Mm -hmm. um, so just because we now know how the sausage is made, getting back to the sausage now, <laughs> yeah. um, I'm so what, hungry. Anyway. What does that change? <laughs> okay, we may not like how the sausage is made, but um, this is this is their mission. Mm -hmm. But but then the bigger conversation is: is the mission right and appropriate? Mm -hmm. <laughs> well, I don't want to touch that. I want to go back <laughs> right, to something, right, right. something that you said. Yes. That, yeah. One of the things that would have been shocking, I think, was if the CIA had the capabilities to, let's say, monitor all internet traffic in the U.S. Right. Right. Mm -hmm. That's something that we've seen from the NSA leaks, mm -hmm. uh, with the Snowden leaks that the NSA had. The CIA also had that capabilities. That would be worrying because they're targeting, you know, basically doing this broad scale dragnet of mm -hmm. all everything. Yes. Right. Where the CIA, but what, what they leaked was that they have the ability to target people. But if you look at it, you know, some of the exploits that they had, these things, literally an iPhone exploit I was just looking up, uh, you can actually sell an iPhone exploit to Amazon, uh, to Amazon, to Apple. <laughs> you probably can yeah. make it Amazon, Amazon, like, if we're being like, honest. It's yeah. prime shipping, it's great. <laughs> no, so you can sell it to Apple, so you can be a good guy. If you find mm -hmm. a vulnerability, you can sell it to Apple for $200,000. Right. That's the baseline for ethical people. 
and the price only goes up for how unethical you're willing to be. Right. Mm -hmm. So it can, you know, some of these exploits are worth $500,000 plus. So if you, and you look at it from the CIA's perspective, right? Every time they use this to try to attack somebody, they are risking somebody seeing that attack and it eventually getting fixed. Right. So, and I actually, I like this fact that they have to decide, are you worth it to mm -hmm. blow $500,000 on this mm -hmm. exploit to exploit and get some information. Right. right. And I think that's how it should be. It should be expensive and it, they should think really deeply about if they want to do this or not. Yeah. So in a way, bug bounty programs like this have pushed the cost up. Yes. And so then you really have to be, you have to think very carefully mm -hmm. about that. Which I think that's an good. interesting connection. I, that is, and it, it, in an interesting way, I think ties the cybersecurity world, which is this new plane that we don't really know how to operate in or on. Mm -hmm. It ties it to the regular world of regular old spying, right? <laughs> With like dollars. Yeah, if you want to, exactly. Yeah. If you wanted to go put a bug, like bug somebody's office or room, mm -hmm. you have to physically pay a spy to go somewhere, they have to right. do some, mm -hmm. you know, and I'm basing this all on movies, so you know, whatever. <laughs> it still costs money to get a, somebody physically there to put a device there, right? Yes. Which yeah. I think is how it should be. It's kind of similar, I've heard similar arguments to bring it to something completely different on warrants, right? That's why mm -hmm. we want, the even if, even if getting a warrant is almost 90% success rate, the fact that you have to stop, it takes time, you can't just the police just can't get warrants for everything, right? right. It provides that barrier that mm -hmm. they have to actually deliberately cross to mm -hmm. do that. Yeah, yeah. So something else I think that comes out of this is the reality that information does leak these days. Mm -hmm. I mean, irrespective of what you think about WikiLeaks, mm -hmm. it's there. The chances are that if you're doing something and somebody's interested in it, it'll leak unless you have really systems. Mm -hmm. So does this mean we actually have to change our attitude towards what we previously considered to be privileged information, whether you're the organization that has that information or whether you're the, the public that gets access to it? I mean, it opens up a huge area for research into this yeah. kind of anti-leaking or watermarking or uh, provenance of information, all this kind of stuff. I think there's going to be more and more research in this space, yeah. but it's a hard technical challenge because at the end of the day, you know, the whatever form the information in does is is in doesn't really matter, because if you know you say, well, now I've watermarked all these documents, and you can't send them out of the network. Great, I'll take my phone and I'll take a picture of it on my laptop <laughs> screen, so it's, and it's then send it somewhere else. Yes. Right? Yes. Exactly. Yes. So yeah. there's a lot of avenues. And for I, and I was also wondering about sort of whether there is an argument for saying, okay, let's not worry about everything being publicly available, um, and we'll see how that works out might be the way it's going. One thing right. I would love to never hear again is a person or organization say, I'm not interesting enough. No one's <laughs> going to take my data. Ah, right. Oh, in some way, shape, or form, you are interesting, I guarantee you. Right. I am may not exactly know. that I am not interesting enough, and yes. I could I could probably find a way in which that's, you were interesting and therefore exploitable, or someone to whom you are connected. Yes. You sure. were a TA for Michael that is true. Michael Crow would be a very interesting target and is probably on Whoa. someone's list, although not mine. I will say that my Instagram account, unbeknownst to me, was pointing to a .ru address. 
a couple oh. of weeks ago. And um, yes, well, LastPass apparently hadn't captured Instagram when I went uh, through and set up LastPass and I hadn't looked at Instagram in a while. Nice. So there I am. It was right before I went to sleep, which P.S. Nobody should be looking at their phone right before you go to sleep because it's blue light and it screws up your circadian <laughs> rhythm. So <laughs> I should have known better. better. But now... 35 minutes later, as I'm on my phone and like making a new LastPass password and then copying it, but then losing it before I went in, it, it was like, it was a giant disaster. Giant. Mm -hmm. But I am no longer .ru on Instagram, at least. Nice. But then I freaked out. Like, yeah. where else could yeah. this? Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Well, you we have this network that's just spread out over all of these different nodes and what they're all doing at some point. Yeah. Uh, so I kind of want to get back to industry. We had a really interesting event on Monday called Unlocking the Privacy and Security Debate. Mm -hmm. um, former Secretary of, um, of uh, DHS, Michael Chertoff, came and spoke, and he talked a lot about privacy and how it is a national security priority. I mean, without our privacy, we are as a nation less secure. One thing that he mentioned is that the amount of information that industry is collecting about us absolutely towers over the amount of information that the government collects. And, and some mm -hmm. people do or don't believe that, mm -hmm. that's fine. And some people also point out, well, the two work together, which in some cases true. is true. Uh, but there aren't the same kind of rules for right. industry. Mm -hmm. right. And if you do some of these things like install Ghostery and look at how many third-party trackers are on mm -hmm. the websites that you visit, uh, it really becomes shocking. And, and like, who are they? P.S. I doing? saw that you tweeted that out, like, check out Ghostery, and I decided I did not want to know. I feel the same <laughs> about Ghostery as I do about the probability that there are scorpions outside of my house. <laughs> <laughs> no black lights allowed outside my house at night. That's okay. You yeah. know, <laughs> if you don't want to know, you don't want to know. I think you have that right. <laughs> yeah, I want to know so I can crush the scorpions. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's, it's an interesting question because people, I mean, that's the way that people can claim, well, you can easily get around needing a warrant for information. You just mm -hmm. ask, you know, AT&T, Microsoft, Google, right, yeah. whoever, hey, hey yes. what do you know about this person, right? And yeah. that, them saying, oh, here's what we have does not require a warrant. Mm -hmm. Right, they can freely give and share whatever information they want. Yeah, because sure. they're a corporation, or yeah. they may not be protecting it in the way that we would also like. So, right, yeah. I did this presentation at the law school called "On the Internet, Everyone Knows You're a Dog." Mm -hmm. Taken off that 1995 or whatever cartoon. No one knows your dog. Well, everybody knows it now, and um, went through and looked at who are these companies that track. I went to one website and they were using Flash plugins, which, mm -hmm. as you know, are in totally insecure and mm -hmm. gives me no sense of confidence that the data they, co they collect about me isn't going to be inadvertently shared, mm -hmm. shall we say. So to take it in a, to kind of talk a little bit more about what Andrew was talking about and, and relate it, so Mark Zuckerberg has argued that there is going to be no privacy in the future. Right. 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 Privacy is, I mean, obviously there'll be some things we need to keep secret as a nation, right? But individual privacy is just, we'll, we'll all share everything, and mm -hmm. so who cares? Like the who cares about because we all know that everybody's messed up so who cares <laughs> that we're messed up like, I don't know <laughs> interesting I don't know how do you feel about that I, honestly I'm kind of there I'm kind of like Are a whatever really yeah. I don't you, know you I know. haven't also I will say this I'm my Facebook is locked down but I have never detagged any photo that I've been in 
and Facebook started when I started college in 04. So mm -hmm. all of my horrible pictures from 04 to 08 in my college years, I'm still tagging all those pictures. And to be honest, and I'm friends with my grandma and my parents, Part of me is like nobody's gonna scroll through all of this, and part of it is I'm very selective. Right. So, so I think there are two people. sides of this, and yeah. I think this is really right for research as well. And one side of it gets back to your um, point, Jamie, that that every that somebody's gonna be interested in everybody in you, no matter how interesting you think you are. So if you look at that lack of privacy with all of your stuff being out there. There's going to be something, I would guess, somewhere that someone could leverage against you if they wanted to. Um, because we can sort of live under this illusion that it's okay if everybody knows everything, but I can guarantee everybody's got one little thing, at least one little thing that they really don't want people to know about. Mm -hmm. so, but how do you prevent... So, okay, so right. if we think about when you go for clearance levels, right, yes. for the government, yes. you're taking, you have to take a lie detector test. Yep. And the reason they do that is not because they want to make sure you don't have any secrets. It's they want to make sure they know about all your secrets. That's right. But so that way nobody can blackmail you about it. Exactly. So if yes. that little piece of information you really wanted to keep secret is already out there. I would say there are other things though. So the personal things, the, the stuff that yeah. they don't even probe um, with security checks. The, the things that to many people may consider and they may think they're absolutely trivial, but to you, they're deeply, deeply personal. Mm -hmm. And somebody, if they get hold of those, can use those against you. So this is not the, uh, I smoked pot or I sort of created a crime or something. They're the things where some people say that's nothing, but you know that they're, they're personal to you. So those are points of leverage. So that, that's one argument that, that says people delude themselves when they say, I don't mind if everything's out there because there's always something that they actually do mind being out there. Mm -hmm. The counter argument though is the argument that, um, I, I, that actually sociopaths get away with, that basically sort of says, I don't care what you say about me, I'm just gonna say it's me and I'm not gonna pay a blind bit of attention. Mm -hmm. So there, with that sort of um, character mentality, you can say, don't care if my stuff's out there because I'm just gonna not allow it to, to change how I am and, and what I do. But I think those are very two different poems, right? And you have to think about the people that are attached to you as well. That's mm -hmm. right. It's not just yep. about, can you so leverage right. this against me, but can you use that to then pivot somewhere in my network? And do I care about the people that I'm attached to? Maybe mm -hmm. I really am totally boring. You as a podcast listener can evaluate that for yourself. But, <laughs> you know, maybe I know somebody who's, you know, of much greater interest and by Just using my personal yes. in well, information I to, to the get team from Michael Crow's class this morning. So <laughs> I did. Yes. He's going to take us both down, Sounds really is boring. what it is. Yes. <laughs> Super boring. Don't fuck It was that. fascinating. <laughs> but, 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 Privacy. <laughs> but, but you're right. We're all nodes in a network. We're yeah. not individuals. We're, we're connected. And so actually it's quite analogous to how you think about using data and, and hacking. Yeah. You work out what the nodes in the network are that you can use to get to other places. Mm -hmm. That's exactly it's like coming to work sick. Like right. you might yeah. think like I'm going to go to work anyway and I, I'm going to be able to make it through because it's really important. The reason people don't go to work sick is they think, oh, I'm going to get everyone else sick on my team mm -hmm. and then everyone will hate me. Yeah. Yeah. Which is true. I wrote an article about that in CNN many, many moons ago. Mm -hmm. It was the most emailed article of the day. Really? Yes, yes, it was. Thank you. <laughs> they, they still had email then, huh? They did still have email then. Yes, they did. They did. Um, yeah. Okay, so we're just about at a half hour. Um, what have we learned today? Security's hard. 
Well, we and knew that. A dedicated adversary is going to have the means and the resources to get into things. Right. So you have to have a pessimistic attitude, I think. If, if well, if you are a high value target who's worth a hundred, uh, five hundred thousand dollars or more, you mm -hmm. need to be very pessimistic and uh, paranoid. So we should all be valuing ourselves to understand <laughs> whether we're worth it to. Uh, I'm, I'm not. I'm happy to say. I, I'm, I'm fine quite with sure claiming that. I'm that. Not. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So people always ask, all right, what can I as a normal person do? Uh -huh. All these things happened and we're talking about, you know, well, what can I do? Um, if you have an internet-enabled device and you want to know how to turn stuff off, don't bother going through the manual. Just Google it. Because geeks mm -hmm. like us go and we figure out how to turn that stuff off. And it will mm -hmm. pop right up. You can Google Samsung TV privacy. And Bing, it'll be the first thing that comes up, and it'll give you some easy steps to go and turn that stuff off. So on Google or Bing, as you just referenced. Yes. It'll be there. Mm. Or DuckDuckGo, if you're going to go like that. <laughs> <laughs> Anything else you want to add to the list? Yeah. <laughs> but I'm surprised you're not writing an app to do this. <laughs> so, <laughs> to, to go through your network? That right. actually would be interesting. Be interesting. Like, on my yeah. network, identify devices and optimize mm. privacy. You would have to be highly Ooh, trusted, though. Yes. Yeah. Yes. We're a university. Who doesn't trust us? And so I think the other take homes from today were that people in the cybersecurity community and the privacy community looked at the WikiLeaks announcements and said, huh, okay. Yep. And so that was not shocking information. And even more, that was information that we, uh, I'm going to just insert myself into the mm -hmm. cybersecurity community, would have expected the CIA to have and to leverage it was a in a mission specific way. Even. Mm -hmm. Like, it's not like they were so far ahead. Like, you know, as an outsider mm -hmm. who's not in the top secret clearance or anything, uh -huh. you expect them to be like way, you know, like, like, come on, CIA, five, <laughs> 20 years. <laughs> but then you have to think is it because, you know, where did these leaks come yeah. from? Is it one, is it a small group? Is it a wide thing, maybe there's a more advanced division that has more advanced capabilities. Well, you just don't always need yeah. that kind of firepower. Yes, exactly. So, right, yeah. right. Dave Kennedy from TrustedSec came here a couple years ago mm -hmm. and gave a talk and he said, I have this folder of amazing zero days and I never get to use them because it's the simple stuff. I get in using the simple, boring things. <laughs> Interesting. So. All right. So maybe then the flip side of like this, maybe, maybe we should understand that this was a little ho-hum, this like big, you know, privacy situation, the flip side of that is there's a lot of stuff out there that is not ho-hum that we, you know, just nobody has needed to use yet. And yep. so we can, like, save our, you know, panties in a twist for that but, day. But it does open a conversation, which I think is important. Yeah, yeah. I think that's Definitely. right. And, like, if you're really mad about this, I'm not saying you're wrong, but, like, think about why, why you're mad about that and mm -hmm. then what should come from that. Should it be required vulnerability disclosure. Some people think that. Mm -hmm. I don't share that view, but we should figure out what that looks like from a policy standpoint. Okay, well, we'll obviously do that next time. Check. All right, thanks guys. Thanks, Thank you. Thanks. For more where that came from, including our undergraduate and graduate programs, check out the School for the Future of Innovation in Society at sfis.asu.edu. Future Out Loud is produced with the support of the School for the Future of Innovation in Society and the Risk Innovation Lab at Arizona State University. Mark Van Hare created our music. Ana Lopez is our production assistant. Please subscribe to Future Out Loud on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Please tell your
what we do think on Facebook and Twitter.